Today's um, first reading presents a grave problem. I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a problem, I believe, especially for those who like, who, who love, let's say, who love pork. If you love bacon, you love, you know, um, uh, it's called chicharron, or, you know, you would find a problem because, because it's all about that. In, in the book of Maccabees, the mother and the brothers are suffering because they are forced to eat pork. Well, that is because during that time, God's law pro prohibited them from eating pork. So, so this big problem about eating pork, not eating pork, has been resolved. I, I, I believe that's good news for many of us because in Acts chapter 10, verse 15, um, you know, we, us, at least St. Paul has this, um, this vision about all the animals um, coming and then God, there's a voice of God that says, what God has made clean, you are not to call profane. So, so we can eat everything. We can eat pork, so that's okay now. But, but that aside, what today's first reading tells us or, or gives us is a beautiful witness of a family who stay faithful to what they believe. They believed that death is not the end that there is life beyond death. There is reward for those who are just in the life after and punishment for those who are evil. They also believed that our broken bodies today would be made whole in the life after. So therefore, they were willing, all the brothers and the mother, they were willing to go through the suffering for something greater that was in store in the afterlife, for something greater that was awaiting them. This, especially to these people who were persecuting them, it was shocking to them. These were, majority of them were Greeks, and, and even the king was shocked, like, you know, somebody living up to their faith, you know, to, to, the, to an extent they're willing to die. It is shocking. And it is shocking for us even today when we find people willing to give up their life for their faith, for things that they believe. So, so the question to ask ourselves, is there life after death? Is there afterlife? In the gospel today, we have the Sadducees questioning Jesus. So Sadducees were a group of Jews who did not believe in resurrection. So they are questioning Jesus. They're trying to trick him and, and ask this great um, situation. This, you know, they make great human argument. You know, you can, you, this is a great argument. Like, you know, the woman marries the first time, the second time, the, you know, seven people. Whose wife will she be, you know, after, in the afterlife? Whose wife will she be? And Jesus, you know, does, you know, what we call like a masterstroke, right? his response. He says, the children of this age marry and remarry, but those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming age and to the resurrection of the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. So there is no marriage in the afterlife. We're all individuals. 
So, so, so this is how Jesus answers this question. So in, in both the readings, the first reading, the gospel, we kind of given like, a, like, you know, picture that there is life after death, right? There is something after death. Um, and, and seeing the faith of the brothers and the mother in the first reading, hearing the words of Jesus, sharing about eternal life, um, also this recalling of Moses, who called on the living God. He said, God of Abraham, God of Jacob, God of Isaac. We know, or we are told that there is something called heaven. There is life after death. And today, um, uh, brothers and sisters, we ask to think about this, that there is heaven. There are consequences for the way we live this life. If we live this life faithful, following the word of God, uh, living faithful to his commandments, there is, there is reward. But if we do not do that in this life, there are consequences, there's punishment in the afterlife. Today, um, starting today, we celebrate what is called Vocations Awareness Week um, here in the church in the United States. Um, vocations, as they speak or, you know, they're trying to make us aware of, is vocation to the priesthood, to religious life, to consecrated life. As we talk about vocations as a church, we come across the situation, you know, you know, we are not finding a lot of vocations right now. You know, there's a crisis. Not a lot of people, you know, take on the call to be priests, to be nuns, to, to consecrate themselves. And why is that so? And why is that happening? And one of the reasons why that is happening, we can say, is because of this loss of perspective. You know, majority of the time, we're not thinking about afterlife. We are not thinking about heaven. We live, so to say, distracted in the material world and material things that we have. We're completely distracted. And, and, and we don't have this perspective of something beyond, uh, something beyond this life, something beyond that we see. Um, As I was preparing for this, for today, I came across the story of a young man named Robert Nauzi. You know, he dies when he was 23 years old. He was born in the year 1947 in Cameroon. Um, at, at about seven years of age, he got baptized and he used to be very, let's say, religious, right? He, in his small little town or village, he would be the one who would go and ring the bells of the church. As you know, sometimes people ask, hey, is there a bell right here on, on top? Let me see a bell tower. Does somebody ring the bells uh, there? But, you know, but traditionally, um, there, there is somebody who goes and, you know, rings the bells, right? Um, so, so anyway, so he would do that. As he grew older, when he was about 16 and 17, uh, he, or, you know, yeah, so he, he wanted to enter the seminary. He wanted to become a priest. But, um, but his brother dissuaded him. He was against it. Um, they send um, Robert to a, the city to study for education, especially in, in the context 
Africa, a lot of the times when you're in a smaller town, you send to the main town so that you can get better education. So, so he's sent there, you know, while he is there living with the host family, he's already exhibiting great generosity. So, so there's a moment when one of the child in the houses is, does not have food. So what he does, he gives his own food and he goes hungry for, for the day. So, so he's already has this sense of generosity. But, um, but in that young age, 16 or 17, he is diagnosed with a, a, um, a chronic illness of leprosy. And, um, and he gets to know that he only has a few more, very little time remaining in this life. So one day while he's in the hospital, he asks the chaplain, the priest who comes to visit, um, you know, why is this happening to me? Why, why did God choose me? You know, I'm just 16, 17. And the priest says, you know what? Only Jesus can answer that question. I don't have an answer to that question. So Robert, for three days, prayed. He prayed without eating, without drinking and sleeping. And finally, he came to an understanding. Again, this is somebody who's 16, 17 years old. He came to an understanding why, why God has put him in that situation. And he, he, he understood that I'm here so that my brothers and sisters may know Jesus. So he said, yes, I'm going to embrace this suffering. You know, just like Mary said, yes, unknowing what she was saying, you know, what she was going to do. He says, yes. And, um, and, and he, he uses his life, his suffering, um, just like a famous saint used um, her own life, you know, living in a cloistered convent to, um, to let's say, to, um, to be missionary. Uh, this is St. Therese of Lisieux. As you know, she lived in a cloistered convent. She also dies at a very young age, and, and she is the patron of uh, missionaries. Even though she did not step out of the convent, she never went to any distant places because she used every single time that she was there to, for, for the soul of somebody, right? She was constantly aware of that. And, 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 the, and there was a priest who was visiting this young man, Robert, who was, li who was reading to him the life of St. Therese of Lisieux. So he was also kind of developing in this understanding like how I could use my suffering, um, you know, for a greater purpose and greater cause. And finally, he, he, he says uh, one of the days to somebody, he, he tells them, you know, I will give my life so that they may be happy. My illness is my tool to clear the road to heaven for others. Like this is a young man saying this. Um, and again, why is, how is he able to say all of this? Because his perspective changes. Now he starts thinking about heaven. He thinks about the afterlife. He, he gets to know that there is something beyond death. And now my suffering is meaningful. Everything changes. So, so if we want to um, know what our vocation is, if we, if we want young people to answer um, to God's call, because a vocation, as you know, is a call. You know, vocari, meaning it's a call. It's not coming from you. Like, like if you ask me, uh, Father Roland, did you, like, this is a great question. Like, how did you know that you want to become a priest? You know? Well, I never knew. I was not. When I was your age, I never was thinking about becoming a priest. It's a call. It just came. And I had an option to say yes or to say no. You know, by the grace of God, I said yes. And I'm here in front of you. So we all have that call. God is constantly calling. He has already chosen some of you to be only for him. 
to be consecrated to him, to be missionaries, to go different parts of the world, to be missionaries even here, even you know, in this nation that we live. Uh, it's kind of some people would say it's a missionary territory. Like we need missionaries even here, right here. Here at Loretta, we need missionaries. Um, so the way we kind of um, you know, are open to the vocation is to renew, get this perspective of life back. Know that our decisions that we make here, we need to make them in the light of heaven in the light um, of God's will, that he has a desire that we be united with him. Um, so as we prepare to receive Christ in the, in the Eucharist, you know, we will be touching heaven, right? I, I, I kind of try to make this point that, hey, do you want to experience heaven? You're experiencing it right now here as the, as the body and um, as the bread and wine is, is transformed into the body and blood of Christ. You will receive it. That is heaven. It's, it's, a, it's a brief moment. Don't miss it. It's heaven itself coming to you. So, um, so let us today, let us pray as we up, approach to receive Christ. I need this perspective. I need to think about heaven. I need to think about afterlife. And then I'm going to get meaning to what I'm going through right now. Everything becomes clear to us like it became clear to Robert. His suffering was not useless. It was meaningful. He could do great things. He could open heaven to others. And you have that same power to open the heaven for others uh, through your prayers, through your suffering, by being faithful to Christ. Um, and may we uh, do that and give glory to God.